Welcome back to Word and Table, a weekly podcast on liturgy, sacrament, and the great tradition of Christian worship, and why it is vital in our world today. I'm your host, Alex Wilgus, and I'm here as always with Father Stephen Gautier. Welcome back, Father Stephen. Great to be back, Father Alex. Father Stephen is the canon theologian of the Diocese of the Upper Midwest in the Anglican Church in North America, and he is director of formation at St. Paul's House of Formation in the Greenhouse Movement. Father Stephen, let's talk today about uh, a biblical word that's also remains in very wide use today. It's not something you want to be described as, uh, and that word is a hypocrite. Um, and uh, it's definitely not a, a, a nice phrase if someone's called a, a hypocrite, hypocrite or you're behaving hypocritically. Um, I remember it always, uh, it was kind of like an elevated way of saying that someone was being um, sneaky or false or putting on a false pretense for their own gain. And it was used particularly often to describe Christians. Um, oh, well, they pretend like they're good, but really they're just hypocrites. They're, they're, just, uh, just, they're just like everyone else, but they try and pretend like they're better than other people, but they're just hypocrite. They're just hypocritical. Or maybe sometimes, um, people would be okay with Jesus, but it's just his hypocritical followers that we have a problem with. So, um, thought it might be a good idea to talk about this word hypocrisy. It is something we run into in the Bible a few times. Um, so let's talk about hypocrisy. What exactly does it mean to be a hypocrite? And, you know, what's the real danger of hypocrisy that um, the Bible is at pains to warn us about? Well, maybe a good place to start is where the word comes from. And actually, epoch means from, from underneath in Greek. And here's the thing. Remember, if you look at a theater, they often have masks that decorate the outside of a theater, like these masks. Yeah, like the, the one of them kind of has like a smile and the other one's sad, you know, like that kind of symbol for a theater, you mean? Yes, but also Greek actors actually were masked when they acted. Ah, okay. This caused a challenge because you had to speak up from under the mask. That's actually where the word comes from. It really comes from speaking up from under in Greek, you know, interpreting from under. Something's coming under this mask. Something else is coming out. And that became the term Hippocrates. In Greek, becomes the word for an actor, but it comes from the notion that you're, you're speaking behind a mask. And so you have to get your words out in front of the mask. So that's the actual notion of it. Um, that's why it became the word actor. So literally speaking uh, out from underneath, kind of like so from underneath meaning the mask. that's where your voice comes out from up underneath the mask. Your voice is coming yeah. underneath from, from underneath the mask. Okay, I see. And it came to be used. Of course, that's a very practical thing. There's nothing wrong with being an actor as such. But they were saying this, the image is so powerful that it began the idea of, you know, the thing about a theater, things aren't what they appear to be. So we, we think of actors, somebody's putting on a show. You know, it looks like it's real, but we know it's not real. They're pretending these things. Or it could be uh, pretending to be what you're not. You know, just generally with people. You're sort of like an actor. You're pretending to be what you're not. Or trying to fool people about your real motives. So it came to be used to things of being not genuine. Things not being what they appear to be. Came to be the general meaning of it. Okay, I see. So as in with a lot of this, these terms, it comes from a very, you know, 
straightforward usage. We're literally just talking about people that, you know, speak from behind masks, but it takes on this social connotation of people who are doing that um, and doing that in life, you know, and it's a bad thing. Putting on a show. You're putting on a show, meaning this is, it has a lot of, it looks real and things, but this isn't the real thing. So it's it's being deceptive in 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 a particular way. It's putting on putting on um, a false pretense. So of course, you know that's from Greek, you know, classical culture. But of course, we know the New Testament is written in Greek. So that's uh, where we're gonna where we're gonna see this word hypocrite or hypocrisy show up. Um, but you know, do we do we get anything like that in the Old Testament, or is this just a New Testament word? No, there's nothing. There's nothing equivalent. Uh, we talk about things being um, a different word in Hebrew. It has nothing to do with actor or any of this. It's just false. We, only once I don't forget the term used in the Old Testament in Psalm 26 or something. You know, talk about hypocrites, meaning false people. Basically, the word these false, false people. Okay. But this special meaning of hypocrisy is very, very much a New Testament notion, and it's especially a notion with the with Gospel of Matthew. It's sort of interesting because actually the word hypocrisy itself is only used five times in the entire New Testament, the word hypocrisy. And then we use the word hypocrite. We're, Jesus calling people hypocrites. That happens 15 times, but 12 of them are Matthew. <laughs> Matthew is the one that is really, really important. And that's because part of his critique of what had gone wrong with the law was hypocrisy. That's key. Remember, Matthew is the one about talking about Christianity is the continuation of Judaism. It's a completion of it. So what needs, you know, how do we go beyond where we were and the sickness seems to be hypocrisy. And so he has 12 times he calls people out in very different instances of what hypocrisy looks like. That's pretty good start, good, pretty good starting place to figure out what does the Bible actually teach what hypocrisy is. It's more than just false. It must be something more specific. It's more than just faking it. What else could it be? Okay, so you said that, um, you said though that, that, you know, Matthew uses hypocrisy or hypocrite uh, most often. So, um, almost exclusively. Yeah. So let's look at what Matthew is targeting when we say that, which scriptures are we, are we looking at? Well, let's look at the, um, 12 instances where he talks about it. The first thing is we start out in the Sermon on the Mount with talking about religious practices that focus on the practitioner rather than God. You know, the classically in Judaism, there are three great religious practices. We pray, we fast, and we give alms. Those are the big three. So Jesus starts in the Sermon on the Mount talking, let's talk about these are the very heart of Jewish religious practice. Now these should be about God. That's what we claim to be doing. We're serving God. We're serving others. But he says, you know, a lot of you, it's really about you trying to attract attention rather than about God at all. So he says, alms binging. He said, when you give to the needy, you know, don't sound trumpets and things. They're doing this so they can be praised by others, Jesus says. They're not, they don't care about the poor. They, they don't care about God, what God thinks of. They just want to be praised by others, Jesus says. So it's not what it appears to be. It appears to be a generous act. I want to help someone. I want to help God help someone. Instead, it's basically, no, I want to get praised. Prayer. He said, when you pray, you know, don't just standing in the middle of the synagogue, you know, on the street corners and things. He said that they may be seen by others. Instead of worrying about God licking us, we're looking sideways. Fasting. He said that people went out of the way to look miserable, to show how much 
they were, you know, but he said the whole point is why would that make any difference? God knows if you're fasting. He said clearly again, you know, he said they disfigured his faces that they may be fasting by others. So his first point is in religious acts. A religious act which does not focus on God is not what it appears to be. For example, it's basically an act of vanity. If I give a large amount of money so people say how generous I am, it's not an act of generosity, it's an act of vanity. If I pray in public and have the biggest Bible and, and have this thing, and it's really all about what will people think of me, I'm religious, I might be saying, all the, that's not about God, it's about me. So it's basically changing what's supposed to be the supreme, the three ways we worship God in Judaism. He's saying, they're worrying about me. Instead of actually being there, it's like giving a present to your parents at Christmas, and you're looking around at the siblings to see if they're jealous you gave a better present. You're not even looking at mom and dad you're giving the present to. This is about showing you up. I'm, I'm richer. I'm going to embarrass you. So the first thing he said, you know, any religious practice that notices other people, where this is somehow, instead of being focused on God, is somehow looking at uh, ancillary benefit isn't the real thing. It's fake. So the, the sense of hypocrisy here has to do with there being a concealed motive for yeah. apparently for for practices that are you know apparently focused on God, but there's under the mask, as it were, there's this um, concealed uh, selfish motive. Right. Okay. So this is the classic thing about one of Jesus's main points versus the Pharisees was we call orthopractice. To them, the important thing is you did the right thing. Motivation is not the concern. Jesus argues that the motivation is everything. It's the heart which actually gives the moral quality to a condition. So he's saying the first thing about hypocrisy is any religious practice that is not actually aimed at God is not what it claims to be. It's a false flag operation. Okay. It's yeah. vanity flying under God's flag. I see. Okay, so that's 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 the 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 first sense in which we're hear him talking about hypocrisy hypocrisy so where else does he mention hypocrisy we then have something about what about they they added extra laws we jesus complains he talks about you commandments of men you put aside the commandments of god he says you hypocrites well did isaiah prophesy of you he's talking about a particular instance and here's the the context it, it the rule is we take we want to say we're obedient but we don't actually want to obey so what we do is we actually modify god's commandment and call that obedience so it looks like God's commandment. But by that time we finish with it, there's nothing in common. <laughs> so remember, the four, he talks about the fifth commandment to honor your father and mother, which was a requirement for financial support. They had created a system called Corban, which was like, I'm a CPA, it's basically a trust fund that legally could say, well, it's not technically my money. I'd love to help you, mom and dad, but I, technically that's not my money, so I'm not obligated. And Jesus said, this is a commandment. It's one of the Ten Commandments. You're supposed, and you're, you create your own rule that supersedes the Ten Commandments? So he's saying, in under, instead of being honest, and say, look, I'm not going to follow the commandment. We actually interpret it in a way against its obvious meaning. A commandment that only can, be auth, uh, can only be authentically observed if its intention is maintained. So it's not just what you do. You have to, you have to do it for the reason of the commandment. It, it, every commandment has a purpose. Like the Sabbath. The Sabbath is meant to bring life and health and rest. Anything I do that interprets the Sabbath that has the opposite effect is clearly against the intention. I'm not obeying the Sabbath when I have people stay, stay sick. That's not obeying the Sabbath. So again, I'm choosing to take the appearance of obeying a commandment rather than actually obeying it. 
so then once again we have again like the mask we have this appearance um, yeah we look we, they thought they were very law-abiding when in fact they even tossing aside the ten commandments okay but this one is achieved by literally modifying the law they modify the law okay okay interpreting it in a way against itself sure so we've got those two uh but you know jesus also when the pharisees call him out try to get him to answer a question about paying taxes to caesar jesus calls them hypocrites right why does he call them that just for asking him a question that's a really good point because he said you put me to the test the idea of religious discussion which is at the heart of judaism which is a beautiful thing is we're trying to find out the truth about God. And so in this case, he thinks exactly the opposite. Instead of actually saying, how can we learn more? We're actually trying to, we're actually trying to pull someone back rather than move ahead. We're trying to trap them. The whole purpose when we talk about God should be, we should be coming out better. We should be learning more, not getting people in trouble. So he says, it was a period, normally when you talk about God, we're trying to find enlightenment, no more. He said, they talk about God to trap people. So it appears to be a religious discussion, but it's not a religious discussion at all. It's all about trapping, getting somebody in trouble. So is this is this is what it means to argue in bad faith. Is that right? Arguing in bad faith. Okay. You're not really after the answer to this question. You're just trying to show somebody up. And this isn't like a formal debate or something. They, they claim, I'm, I'm really here. I want to find out what you think. When they had, he says, he knew, they said he read their minds. He knew that. They were there to trap him. They were trying to get him in legal trouble. And yet they played to be holy. Oh, we're just here. We just know you. You would always tell us the truth. And he, um, and he, he they, they do that, right? Because they, they think that if he answers, yeah, you should pay taxes, then the people lose interest in him. And if he says, no, you shouldn't, then he's got a legal problem with the empire, right? And then he'll get, he'll, he'll either lose support or get in hot water one way or the other. So, but clearly their stated objective, we'd like to learn what God wants is not true at all. This is not the motivation. Mm, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So there's that mask again. It's, it's a, 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 a pretending that you want to know the answer to something, but you don't really. Um, okay. So he's, he calls the Pharisees hypocrites a, a few more times. So let's go, let's go uh, through those. Um, he says, he, he calls them that a, a few times in Matthew 23. So why does he call them that in, in that chapter? Well, we have, uh, uh, the next few things is, you know, when you're in a business or something, it's not enough that you quote are trying to do the right thing. Does it actually work? And he says, look at this. He says, here's the trouble with you guys. He says, you do, it would be bad enough. You just did nothing, but you're actually getting in the way of people trying to get by you. You're actually blocking the door, so to speak. <laughs> it's like somebody in a fire is something standing in the doorway. So not only are they taking advantage to get out themselves, but they're blocking other people behind or even pushing some people back into the fire. Let me quote to the quotes here. But woe to you scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, for you neither enter yourselves nor allow anybody else to go in. <laughs> so you're stopping in a fire entrance <laughs> during a fire. <laughs> Yeah. And then he says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte. Because Judaism before Christianity was actually a proselytizing religion. And when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as bad as you are. Twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. So he said, everything you do is exactly the opposite of what you claim to want to do. You claim to want to get people to heaven. You don't go there yourself. You stop other people or you even make them worse. 
So you're a hospital where, you know, there's, it used to be in the Soviet Union, you were, were told if you visited during those times, they had very, very uh, unsanitary conditions in many, uh, outside of Moscow, is you're told never go to a Russian hospital. You'll get worse. This is nothing about Russians and things, but during the Soviet Union, there are times that saying in rural hospitals, they just didn't have the equipment. There's it's filled with um, infection and things. Saying whatever you do, don't go. I once traveled once in the in the, you know in the in the developing world, where my doctor told me, "Don't go to a hospital. <laughs> Here's some special drugs. Get out." And so in this case, they're saying they're doing these things, but in fact, they're not doing anything. They claim that they're on this mission for God, and actually, they don't go in. They stop other people from going in, or they even make people worse. They have exactly reversed. So he's basically saying hypocrisy means true, true good works appro- produce appropriate fruit. By, by the fruit, you will know them. You're hypocrites because clearly this is false. This is false fruit. You might be, you might be planting a lot of pear trees, but I don't see any pears. So basically he's saying, you know, this, this is, uh, this is counterfeit religion. And we know that because it produces counterfeits. Yeah. It's uh, basically, we say this is all about trying, this is about their, their evangelical evangelistic efforts as we call them of how to promote. He said, you're not promoting Judaism. So like the hospital example you made, you know, this, this is, this has, you know, uh, a, a hospital, you know, across the masthead, you know, that's the. That's the label, but it doesn't actually produce people who are healed. It, people get worse. Yeah, okay. okay. Yeah. It can happen in any evangelical efforts that sometimes we get into all sorts of numbers game. Right, right. Donors want to have more numbers and things, and instead of having depth and things, it's very easy, the temptation of, why don't we look like we're doing a lot? What metric will make us look active? Yeah. Will generate more, uh, more, more donations? Yeah, exactly. Okay, so, so he calls them that, uh, for for those reasons, um, but he also says this in in verse twenty three says you know woe to you scribes and Pharisees hypocrites for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law justice and mercy and faithfulness these you ought to have done without neglecting the others so what's hypocritical exactly about that authentic action requires authentic priorities remember how Jesus says the first commandment is love God. Then the second, we can't start backward up the priority list. It's like trying to climb a tree by going from the end of the branch instead of going up the trunk. Hmm. And so he's saying in this case, he said, you have the exact reverse priorities. If you, if we have a woman who's a doctor in an emergency room, okay, she's trying to save people and she has someone's having a heart attack and someone is having a hangnail. Imagine you say, you know, I'm really good at hangnails. (laughs) Yeah. And you'd say, this is, this is. This is malpractice. You don't start with things like that. There are people dying. That's what triage is. And he says, how can you be worrying about silliness? You tithe mint and cumin and all these kinds of things. Instead, and you haven't even started getting to the hard, hard stuff, justice and mercy and faithfulness. So just don't think because I'm doing something little stuff, that's no, no excuse. Reversed priorities are fo- phony. To accept something with integrity is to accept its logical priorities. Okay, I see. So authentic action requires authentic priorities. Okay, so this is about prioritizing that you prioritize. You know, hypocrisy can mean also having having the wrong priorities or, or having the you know the the uh, a false uh, sense of what's important and and what isn't. 
Um, yeah, we choose what we like. It's not authentic to the mission. It's kind of another way of doing basically nothing but acting like you're doing something. Yeah. Okay. So, and you know, this these next two are probably the ones that are most uh, memorable when it comes to hypocrisy. You know, Jesus says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. And then again in verse 27, you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and uncleanness. So so that that especially that whitewashed tombs, that's something that I remember hearing quite a bit in connection with hypocrisy. So but what 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 does he mean here? Well, this is the one of the three classic dis, uh, disagreements of, of Jesus with the Pharisees, is they argued at the end of the day, the only thing that counts is the result. It, the important thing is I don't commit adultery. If I lusted, well, it would be better if I didn't, it's the way it looked, but that's not the point. The sin is the act. And Jesus says, you don't get it at all. Uh, the thing is, the sin is at the heart. He said, you know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Sin is a matter of the heart, not the, the actions will reflect the heart. It's not a sub, action is not a substitute for the heart. So he's saying, that's what you're all, the inside of you is corrupt. Occasionally you manage to produce something, but it's not real. The whole inside is rotten. That's why he compares it to a tomb. And the tombs really look beautiful. Uh, the white tombs, by the way, they were painted white, uh, or not painted, you know, they were actually with white stone and things. So you wouldn't actually step on them. That'd make you unclean. Okay, that's, that's really why. Right. That's why. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, because it's against the law to step on the thing because you're ritually impure. So that's why they're always white, so you can miss them. You couldn't accidentally step on one and be ritually impure. So they really look nice. You know, and I love them the Holy Land when you look up the Mount of Olives and you know see the, they're wonderful. But he said, remember, they might look pretty if you open one of those things up. It's full of a bunch of rotting flesh and bones. It's ugly. And he said, that's not what religion is about. It's sort of ironic because think of it this way. I think a better thing for us would be imagine somebody who has to wash a, wash a cup, a dirty mug, but they only wash the outside so it looks nice outside, but all the, all the you know, the crummy stuff's on the inside. You don't bother washing out the inside. Hmm, yeah. Imagine if you had somebody held you a cup, like you want a cup of coffee in your, my house. I'd never do this, of course, Alex, but you know, <laughs> and, but I say, oh, this is a dirty mug. I don't have to clean it out. Here's what I'll do. I'll wash out the side, it's sort of dirty, and just pour the coffee and you'll never notice. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you wouldn't do that to me, right? never okay, good <laughs> i see i see also let's make something clear that can be confused is the trouble jesus tells us love our neighbor as ourselves he doesn't say act like you love your neighbor as yourself he said love your neighbor as yourself sometimes we get the memo as long as i do it what if i have loved him i would do this well as long as i do that i'm okay however there is a value to starting out how do we get to love our neighbor more is by doing those things but we must not confuse that that's a technique like a training wheel Ultimately, love of neighbor is love of neighbor, not just doing loving things. And we can never lose the sight and be satisfied. Well, I'll just do loving things, even though I can't stand my neighbor. Mm. It has to. That might be a good part to start. You know how we learn, like like exercise. You know, on the um, training wheels. Yeah. yeah. But we never want to confuse the real thing. As Jesus said, "Love your neighbor, not act like you love your neighbor, but love your neighbor. If you love your neighbor, you'll act like you love your neighbor." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it really is. At the end of the day, it's 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 actual. Uh, authentic love it's not just pretending not just doing things that's why paul says if you love your neighbor you automatically fill every commandment you know you don't you know when you have your back at home and you have the refrigerator you don't have to put a little note on the door saying don't punch out mom yeah <laughs> why would i do that i love mom <laughs> yeah exactly the reason we have these negative things is because we have a deeper problem our relationships are wrong if we love people those would not be problems all right so um 
So, I mean, that's a surprising array or, you know, semantic field, I guess you'd say, on the word hypocrite or hypocrisy. Because, um, you know, when I think of the word hypocrite, I really, you know, the one that when you talked about arguing in bad faith um, or or maybe the, uh, the, the Corbon thing as well, the the pretending or pretension um, almost in order to trick someone into thinking that you're a holy person or something, but you're really actually not. You have a, a secret motive that uh, makes you feel, but it, it, there, there's a, there's something that you really intend to deceive someone, but it sounds like this is a much broader term than just that. Is that right? It, it can in- incorporate other kinds of falseness. Yes, I mean, Jesus says, one of my favorite sayings, he says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And that's why he said, he said, I tell you at the judgment, a man will be held accountable for every careless word he's uttered. It's very important to integrity, to authenticity, to really make sure that you let your yes be yes, the Lord says, and your no be no. Let them really mean what they say is fundamental integrity, keeping wholesomeness. Everything breaks up, that's where sin comes in. God is one. Things break up. That's where sin comes in, and that's what comes when suddenly yes and no don't mean anything anymore. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Well, I've got to tell you here, uh, the early, it's interesting, in the early church, the hypocrite really turns around a lot in early, in, in church fathers. Again, we overwhelmingly, rightly so, think of hypocrites as people are fakes. In a sense, they are often, most of the, the normal term in English means that you're deliberately faking it. You're trying to give an impression if something isn't true. Maybe you wished it were true, but you're trying to give an impression. However, in Greek, and especially in the other church, it simply means anything, even if you're sincere, that is not true. Uh, here's the classic case why it is routinely referred to, and please, this is we certainly have no place for anti-Semitism, but it's most commonly encountered in the church fathers talking about Jews. Why would they call Jews who are extraordinarily sincere people? Why would they call them hypocrites? Of course they're not, in our sense. They're not insincere. What he's saying here is what happened. We have an example of this. I'll tell you back in in the book of in uh, the book of Revelation, the letter to the Church of Philadelphia. In the ancient Roman world, there's only one group. People were pretty live and let live with religion. Everybody sort of worship other people's gods. What's the harm? You know, there are plenty of gods around. It's just a matter of politeness, like saying hi to somebody else's parents. Okay, the Roman Empire required that the official Roman's gods had to be worshipped. It's like flight, pledging allegiance to the flag. Okay, but they understood the Jews had this strange religion, and they the Romans really respected old stuff. They thought it was natural that people should follow ancestral customs. So the Senate said that Jews did not have to worship any god but their own. That's important. A unique thing in the empire. They alone, why? Because the Romans said, this is, ancient, this is their ancient customs. People should follow their ancient custom. Okay, so here's what happened. Because they had that, means Jews could practice a religion, never had to worry about people coming, making pagan stuff. So when Christians began, Christians saw themselves rightly so as true Jews. We're Jews. With a Jewish Messiah. And so what happened, Jews who were not Christians said, this is not true. And so they would go to the Roman authorities and say, wait a second. We want you to know, we're, we know what Jews are. This is not a guy that's been here forever. Those people, half of them are born Gentiles. They aren't even circumcised. They are not Jews. This is a fake and they should not have the advantage of the law. This was a real danger for Christians. It caused a lot of anger. Because that means suddenly Christians get hassled by the police. 
No, no, you're not Jews. We check with the real Jews told us you're not. Okay. And so this is why Christians would reply that Jews were hypocrites in the sense they, they claimed to be Jews, but actually a real Jew would accept the Jewish Messiah. So they weren't claiming they're insincere. They didn't believe, they knew they didn't believe he was the Messiah. But they're saying, if we're talking about who the authentic Jew is in this town, it's the Jew who's accepted the Jewish Messiah. So they used it in that sense. So again, the term hypocrite applied to Jews is not used in the church fathers to mean that they're insincere. They really somehow believe he's the Messiah. It's used instead to say, these people are still claiming to be the authentic continuers of the tradition of the Hebrew scriptures, where that is us. They're saying we're not authentic. We're saying we are, it's like a branch in a, in a royal family where there's a break, who's the rightful king? And it's where we're the real one. That's why they use it. And here's an example of this. We don't use the word hypocrite, but in, in the letter to the Church of Philadelphia in the book of Revelation, it says, you know, I know that you have but little power, and yet they have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews, but are not, but lie. So he's saying, yeah, they're not really. And why do you call them Satan, synagogue of Satan, God forbid? He's saying, remember when Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. He's not saying Peter's Satan, God forbid. He's simply saying, Peter, you don't know it, but you're actually helping Satan out now. You're saying things he wants you to say. You'd be shocked, but you know, you're acting like, he said, these people, instead of honoring me, they're actually doing sort of saving works. They're really helping him. Doesn't mean they intend to do it, but that's what's happening. They're not the real Jews. So again, this is, this doesn't have anything to do with intention. These are, you know, no. these Jews that are, are selling out Christians at this point are, are just acting in entirely good faith. This is just what they think. Yeah. Um, yeah, Christians would call them hard-hearted and things, but they would not argue. Unlike the Pharisees who are accused of being hypocritical about, uh, about sinning against the Holy Spirit with Jesus, that is not a, the charge made later against Jews. Yeah, yeah, the charge is simply that we are just dying. Who is the true branch? It's not saying, oh, th- that's what these people are like. They they yeah. behave in this in this you know scurrilous way. It's not what they're saying at all. They're saying not at all. Um, it yeah. Mm-hmm. This is the. You know, the, the true Judaism is Christianity. The rest is hypocrisy. So it's, yeah. it's fake. It's not the real thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that makes sense. And, and, you know, it really helps to think of it in terms of that Greek word that, you know, means uh, speaking out from under the, a mask, you know. So I guess in each one of these situations, when you hear the word hypocrite, you're, you know, think about what's the what's the mask you know what's the false thing you know and and what's the true thing and and what's what is it that's obscuring the truth Uh, yeah we don't have a mask as christians that's why he said like your yes be yes and your no be no you know uh jesus said the truth will set you free by the way that's a concluding thought i should say is hypocrisy why is hypocrisy so important to matthew because if it's true as john tells us which it is the lord tells us he is the truth the truth will set you free. Well, hypocrisy is the ultimate challenge to truth setting us free for two reasons. We can deceive others or we, we even worse, we deceive ourselves. We often come up with the sort of make-believe Christianity. It looks like a lot, the real thing, but it's not. It's not authentic. Wish it were, but it's not. It's a paint job. It's stage scenery. Well-intended, but it's stage scenery, like a kid playing. So the various critiques we went through can be good for us as reality checks and say with those kind of things that we've been talking about, hey, is that true? You know, am I really make sure when I'm at church is really all about me and God, meeting God, or am I worried about what people think around me? You know, if I, am I really worried about doing what the commandment wants me to do or just about making sure I don't, quote, violate the law, commit a sin? Am I really, when I talk about God, do I do it to honor God instead of just playing like it's some sort of debate game? Yeah, so I guess the the warning for us, right, is that there's, 
all kinds of ways to put on a, a false mask, you know, it could be intentional or it could just be, you know, backsliding into sort of comfortable ways of, uh, you know, sidestepping Jesus's commandments. But at the end of the day, there's a, there's a, there's a, a, a false mask and there's a truth and Jesus is telling us, Hey, seek the truth, seek what's true. And he's, he's the light. Light gets rid of all this. is all dark. Hypocrisy is saying we can't see everything. There's something's blocking our view. Jesus is the light that leaves no darkness. And so that's why it's so important. That's why we can never, in him there is no darkness at all, as John tells us. And so hypocrisy is the first shades of, of that darkness. So we want to walk out of the shades of hypocrisy right into the light. Well, thanks so much, Father Stephen, and thank you for listening to Word and Table. We'll be back again next week for more on liturgy, sacrament, and the great tradition of Christian worship. Thanks for listening.